There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a cold of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on August the 14th, 2013. For newcomers, please help yourself to the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll see all the official sites I have listed on that site. They all have lots of audios for download for free, where I go through the system that you're born into and how it works and why it works this way, where it's going and so on, because the future is always planned. And even what you're going through in the present time was planned long before you were born, in fact, by, again, experts, world experts in psychology, behaviorism, and various other fields. And that's how the world is run, very simply. And it was all set up by private institutions that would always uh, allow the semblance of a democracy for the people so they wouldn't rebel every so often as the big world changes were to take place. And uh, and in reality, it's, one, it's run by these private foundations, which call themselves a, the, the parallel government, in fact. And the Royal Institute for International Affairs was the first organization to come out publicly and state its global agenda. And it was made up out of uh, the, the city of London bankers, basically international money lenders. These guys lent to nations. And it still is today, of course. Now, of course, they have all the media on board with them because they own it all. So they're all members of it, all the magnets and so on. And they have counterparts across the world, the same organization. In the U.S., they call it the Council on Foreign Relations. So uh, these guys have been putting presidents and prime ministers in for a hundred years, at least. And, uh, and we're going through their agenda, the scientific agenda, into the proper society where the elites, those who have the power and the money, and the wealth, and they've proven they have the right to hold on to it because they've never lost it down through generations of special breeding and having their mates selected for them and so on, guaranteeing that uh, they don't have wayward children. Their children generally do exactly the same as they do themselves. Uh, They have a banking class, and their children are going to the banking class. They have a scientific elite, and they go into the science areas too, and and so on. And you find even Huxley, both the Huxleys, Julian Huxley and Aldous Huxley, talked about the fact that they were members of the scientific class, intergenerational. So you're seeing a breeding program at the top, of course, and now they're getting, going to get rid of all the, well, the useless eaters at the bottom, because in this post-consumer society, in a society which is uh, vastly changing because of sciences and so on, they don't need as many people as they used to, and the people are, well, they, they claim the people are using up their resources, uh, at the top, that is, for their children to go on into their wonderful future. And so they're bringing the populations down by lots of cancers and various other things too. Rotten food, of course, which is poisonous, uh, and various other techniques as well. So we're going through all of this as we live today. And most folk are oblivious because there's never been so much entertainment. And so when people get really angry or anxious or so on, they want escapism. And they go into entertainment, which gives them further programming. That everything's just wonderful and fine, etc.
So wrap yourself up the website. Remember too, you can get transcripts from them as well in English and all those sites listed there. And you can get transcripts in other languages of the talks I've given in, uh, uh, on, if you go into alanwatsentinel.eu. Remember too, you can help me take along here by buying the books and discs that I have at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And uh, from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still use personal checks or international postal money orders in the post office to order. Or you can use PayPal or, or, or you can actually send cash across the world, Western Union MoneyGram and PayPal will do. And straight donations are awfully seriously welcome as we go through the planned inflation to bring us into austerity. Now, austerity was planned a long time ago. If you go into the writings of the Club of Rome, another think tank, remember too, the Royal Institute for International Affairs owns hundreds and hundreds of think tanks across the world which advise governments and all policies. And uh, the Club of Rome is a big one, which also uh, lays, lays, lays on with the, the um, United Nations. So the Club of Rome came out in the 70s and said we're going into a post-consumerist society. That's how they're going to train the public, which meant that all your spending money in an austere program would go into basic utilities, basic necessities, food, uh, energy, clothing, etc., rent, because then eventually they want only be authorized rental units only, owned by big chains, of course, under Agenda 21, and eventually no private automobiles either. And that's why the, the stamp is on, basically, to get cars off the road. It's nothing to do with pollution. It's to do with, with right to travel and so on. People who are, are contained in a totalitarian regime, as we all go down the tubes, dying off gradually up to the year 2050 or 60. And that's, that is the plan, folks. Uh, then they want you to be under complete observation. And those in the, the top uh, are never happy or feel secure until everyone is under total surveillance 24 hours a day and completely predictable. That's why all the information is gathered on every single individual. It doesn't matter who you are or how good you think you are, good being a being, all the laws that come out, uh, it doesn't matter. They want to know that you're completely predictable in every situation. So we're going through a planned system, scientific, etc. Uh, many writers came out at the beginning of the 20th century, in fact, and then partway through it with their own books on this. They attended world meetings because the Royal Institute for International Affairs hired lots of uh, writers to, to write novels and non-fiction like H.G. Wells. He did both. And he was a propagandist for this elite too. He was all for this system of a global police force that eventually would be transferred from the, from Britain to the U.S. And uh, Kipling was in it too, in fact, so that we all knew where it was going. And uh, it's happened, of course. They also said that eventually the U.S. would be the policeman for maybe a 100 years, maybe less. It would fall back, it would come back again, a powerful force, and fall back again into obscurity. Then China would take over. Now I'm talking about a 100 years ago. And you'll find that writers and professors like Arnold Toynbee at Oxford University, England, also made the same comments and statements as well uh, after the U.S. was to come China. A long time ago, they made all these plans for it too. That's why, of course, the big boys have no enemies, you see. Uh, they created China to be an industrial giant that it is. The West trained engineers from about the 60s onwards. Uh, in Canada, had a lot of Chinese students into engineering that all went back to China waiting for the factories to come over there. Because that was the plan under the World Trade Organization, another private institution belonging to the Royal Institute for International Affairs. 
So was the Bank for International Settlements, the IMF, the World Bank. They set it all up, folks. Private institutions. So where's a democracy? Democracy doesn't exist. Doesn't exist, folks. The only ones who have a pretense of democracy are the non-governmental organizations or these armies across the world, which are well-funded and those at the top have very good paychecks indeed. Uh, more than the average person, and great pension schemes, etc., and full drug benefits and health care. And they're, they're paid for by the big foundations which employed them and set them up in the first place. And their job is to lobby governments. Then the governments can turn around and pass laws on their behalf and say the people of Canada or the U.S. or Britain or wherever have spoken. That's their farce of democracy. The individual has no rights whatsoever. And what I'm telling you here, again, was written about a hundred years ago, because those who set it up said that in their early writings, that eventually uh, only big pressure groups, well-funded pressure groups, will have any say in this new thing called democracy. So the future is always planned. Everything in the present is planned, including all the wars that are going on. Uh, the cultural changes and all the all the the revolutions, the social revolutions have gone through. These were all planned as well a long, long time ago, and it's very essential they all come through. It's just like, and many of them too are so crazy and ridiculous, of course, that it's like trying to to bash um, square pegs into round holes. In fact, but they never change. They never change their attitudes at the top. And long before you heard of the Soviet Union, uh, a similar organization was working in parts of Europe, trying pushing the exact same agenda. Free abortions everywhere. Promiscuity was to be the normal thing. No marriage. And many, many other things, too, that are all happening as you live. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix Talking about the big system, that's all there is to talk about Because it's everything, isn't it? The big system incorporates all your, your entertainment, everything And uh, and we take that all for granted Never realising that psychologists and psychiatrists And social uh, uh, workers even working on constant dramas That are on like Coronation Street, etc Which gives you pre-programming of things to come Predictive programming, they actually call it where they show you things happening in society and how the average person deals with it or the, or the family deals with it before it actually happens at all. They did this with mass immigration uh, in Coronation Street. They had teams and teams of specialists all brought in to work on these particular things because people copy what they see. It's, it's very simple. It's very, very easy, in fact. Uh, the younger, the better, of course. But um, I mentioned before that everything is to do with uh, psychology, and psychiatry. And when you look at the, the Rockefeller Foundation, there is, is one example uh, that's heavily involved with the CIA. Uh, they set up the World Council of Churches so that they could streamline all churches to promote the same nonsense. And I mean nonsense, that's what they preach today. It's really nonsense. It's, it's keep out of politics, it's keep out of everything that matters. That's what they're taught today. So then there's, they've been neutral, in other words. And you find that Rockefeller also was heavily involved in promoting perverts and so on in sexual uh, uh, areas. And uh, Kinsey was one of them. Uh, and it was the Rockefellers who brought this perv up to the limelight. 
and an attempt to make people think, especially women, that they were, they were simply missing out on living and having lots of promiscuous sex because they were told that everyone else was doing it, you see. And uh, this eventually became the law of the land because judges would use these in all their court decisions to do with rape or anything else and consensuality. All of these things came out of fake bogus studies uh, by Kinsey. Uh, uh, So again, a a great con was was given to the general population for a very old agenda, an old agenda to help destroy marriage and long-term relationships, etc., etc. Been awfully, awfully successful. I'll put up the uh, the woman tonight who has done complete exposés again on Kinsey. Fantastic information, all documented, and um, it just shows you that the lens that the governments who back Kinsey as well, they're all for this kind of thing. Because your government was never your government, understand? Never was your government at all. Hasn't been for an awful long time. And um, it doesn't matter what country you live in; it's all one system. And as I say, Kinsey uh, would hire prostitutes and uh, and homosexuals and so on, and, and do studies on them without telling the public. These were all the ones that he experimented on. Plus, he was given a special leeway to uh, to even use government workers, by the way, to do sexual experimentation on babies, babies, anal penetration, all this stuff. And would stop watches to see how much they screamed and how long they screamed for. And then they would re-evaluate it and say, well, that, that scream was actually delight, by the way. This, this is the stuff that they do to change your behavior. Because these people are completely inhumane, the ones that run the world. But they definitely have uh, very idealistic goals for their own group, that is. And, and they're always at it. Now, I've mentioned before that we're always under, and that's the same thing too with many other of the behaviorists and scientists they employed to do with the mind and mass behavioral studies, etc. And um, Skinner was another one too, who even put his own daughter in his special Skinnerian cage uh, to test out her, her responses and so on and so on. Uh, they dropped babies from certain heights to see how long, you know, what was the minimum height that wouldn't affect them or have them screaming. And, and it's all on film, by the way. It's all up on YouTube, a lot of these old studies that they did. And you'll see them doing this kind of stuff, you know, or hitting them on the head with a hammer. How did they get away with this? Because your government was never yours and your government was all behind this. That's why they were never arrested and charged for anything. Very important to see how we all tick, you see, and what can be done to us to alter our behavior. Now, I mentioned many times that uh, Britain's way ahead, uh, really, of most countries in this respect, they were into this a long, long time ago in mass control of the public. The ancients, too, knew how to do certain things as well by controlling people mainly through religion. Uh, Greece was a, a, a good example, Rome as well. And uh, and the, the knowledge is never lost, never, especially knowledge to do with controlling masses of people. It's always uh, taken over by the next empire, the next empire, the next empire, etc. But coupled today with behaviorism, psychology, psychiatry, and many other uh, sciences, it's, it's very, very um, precise. So Britain now has an official, and I've mentioned it before, they've always had it, mind you, but they have an official uh, psychological warfare team, which they call the Behavioral Insights Team. I've mentioned this before on the radio, and it says, often called the nudge unit, because this is all the, the terminology they're using today, nudging you 
to make the right choices in life or to look at the right sites on the internet and so on. Uh, I mentioned too about Cass Sunstein, who's also doing the same thing in the U.S. with uh, their, their, the U.S. unit that works with the British, by the way. They all work together across the world for the most effective ways of uh, uh, altering the behavior, uh, uh, nudging it, if you like, but altering the behavior of the masses, and especially the young too, to make sure that they'll come into the kind of citizen they want to grow up to suit th- those who, who rule the country and run the country, which is, which is not your government. But in addition to working, uh, something called the nudge, it applies insights from academic research in behavioral economics and psychology to public policy and services. It does a lot more than that too. It's all into social areas as well. So in addition to working with almost every government department, we work with local authorities, charities, non-governmental organizations, that's for the foundations, private sector partners and foreign government developing proposals and testing them empirically across the full spectrum of government policy. And this is from their own site, by the, from the government's website. And it talks about the responsibility, encourage and supporting people to make better choices for themselves. So you're all too stupid to make uh, the agenda's choices that they want you to go along. So you have to be nudged into it, meaning coerced. And they'll use others who are easily nudged, and they'll do it first. They'll get them to turn against you if you don't go along, you see. It's very simple. And concerning the application of behavioral science to policy design and delivery, how they deliver propaganda to you to make it all happen. Advancing behavioral science in public policy. And so public policy, meaning laws that have done as policies uh, and is to change your behavior in certain directions to make you easier managed for tyrants, basically. Championing scientific methodology to bring greater rigor to policy evaluation. So, again, to bring in more and more scientists into the... Now, going back a 100 years, as I've said before, and even before that, uh, the groups that uh, kept themselves submerged with their names, and that is, until they're all issue for international affairs, uh, you also had the Royal Society, which was made up of Freemasons, by the way, uh, that uh, was set up. Uh, in fact, it was, so, it was almost like a monkish school with monks. Because if you're married in the early days, you had to put your wife away with a, with a stipend and the children never see them again and in order to join it. And you find that uh, Francis Bacon uh, was one of the members who did that. He put his wife away and supposedly put some money aside for her. We don't know how much. And he joined it and many others too. Because they were to start to guide the world through their policies, claiming it was all scientific, you understand. Still does the same thing today in their own society. And then it says uh, who, who we are, back to the site again. Our director is Dr. David Halpern. Small team of 13, but they have big, big agencies behind them, the three or 13 officers, with backgrounds in academia, behavioral sciences, and experimental methodology policy-making and marketing based in London. It's much, much bigger, believe you me, than 13 folk. These are the main officers that get all the data coming in from all hundreds of think tanks and experiments going on across the whole world, from universities to even prison camps abroad and so on, and torture, etc. Back with more after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the system that gives us our thoughts basically and our opinions and um, and our entertainment as well because these these organizations, behavioral insights teams or psychological warfare work with all uh, your entertainment industry as well by the way. You know, long-term dramas, certain movies and so on and they categorize them for different age groups and because they're their target groups and they know how to get every age group in, on board uh, with uh, policies and so on. Remember Cass Sunstein too, when after he read this one from Britain and he was working with the American counterpart, he said well, can, we can eventually make people and nudge them into wanting to pay more taxes and so on, you know and they can, they can make you feel guilty about anything at all uh, and it's, it's all done in the way they apply it, especially through entertainment too. That's where folk, you get emotion involved with the characters, as I mentioned, the main characters, and you see how nice they are and good they are, and then they'll explain through an argument in the movie as to why they're doing what they do, and you'll copy them too, and uh, that's how it's done. They can shame you. So uh, this article here is to say toxic, but they're applying behavioral insights to charitable giving. It's not charity at all. It's to do with you giving to more taxes out, actually. That was the real reason behind it. And it says test, learn, adapt. And very interesting to test, test the people, learn, and adapt, adapt, adapt to new policies. Developing public policy with randomized controlled trials, which are then used on all the populations, you see. So I'll put this article up tonight. They don't tell you very much at all on their website, but it's from the government website. And uh, and this is how uh, your governments are involved in making you what they want you to be, you see. So much for a free society. When governments are involved in social change and behavioral change, you don't have a government that you thought you had. It doesn't matter if it's stop smoking or anything else or lose weight. When they're involved in anything like this, uh, there's something wrong there. And they're promoting other things, by the way, in society, like have lots of sex with everybody you meet. Or try changing your gender, for instance. You might be happier. Uh, all this kind of stuff, no, no, this is much, much more than what government was there in the first place for, by the way. And speaking of that, too, it's awfully important because, you see, if you go into the, the writings of the early communists, let's call them communists to be, to be on the safe side, and many of them have flooded into America and Britain uh, in the early 1900s, late 1800s actually, but more in the early 1900s, in order to penetrate universities and start teaching communism under social sciences and so on. And they were responsible for bringing a whole generation into having the riots in the 1960s. They were behind all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, they'd be awfully interested from the very early days in the destruction of marriage because for a totalitarian system run by experts and scientists to work, then uh, you must get families out of the way and families stick together. They'll stand up to governments. When you have communities with lots of families have got a lot in common with each other, they all stand up, you see, when one person is picked on. So you get rid of them and they can talk down to the individual like Big Brother in, in Orwell's 1984. Very simple. 
And so they were very interested in causing vast permissiveness. And H.G. Wells, even, his first book was, was on that very topic in the late 1800s. And he was told to write in a novelistic form and then a non-fiction form as well. On free love, that's where the expression came from. He put that out there. In fact, he was a great propagandist for the Royal Institute for National Affairs. He's a guy, too, who came out with slogans for World War One, like the war to end all wars, and gave a moral side to it which didn't exist at all. That's for a good cause, it's going to end all wars, a utopia, you see. He also helped get guys into the, to the World War One who didn't want to go and fight and who didn't believe in it, because they used, again, basic psychology. And he instituted the white feather in the cap of the women, Whose, whose boyfriends or fiancés would not go off to fights. That was meaning he was a coward, and she would wear that in the street and shame him. These are the dirty tricks that are played on people all the time, from the very beginning to the present time. But, but as I say, getting back to promiscuity, awfully important to get that going, and to make sure there's no permanent relationships, you see. And they're always doing study upon study upon study on this. They have been for well over a hundred years now. It's very important, you see, to keep up to date just how, how well it's all working. Besmanov talked about this too. That, that, that the destruction of the, the culture, the strong culture that stood up against all these factions of totalitarian regimes, the strong culture, he says, was demolished by the 1970s already, he said, under a guise of liberalism which came out of the universities, again, from the same professors that came in, who weren't professors at all, by the way. Many of them didn't have any credentials, but they had very powerful people and wealthy folk uh, sponsoring them into the U.S. especially and getting them right into universities and teaching with bogus credentials. But they taught uh, liberalism, which is really uh, communism they were teaching them. And here's an article here that ties in with many, many articles that come out every year from, because it's very important. You go back to the days of Armand Hammer. Now, Armand Hammer's dad came in with that load from Eastern Europe, and um, his dad kept getting in trouble. He was a quack, basically, and he he started selling quack cures in a, in a, in a chemist shop, a pharmacy shop. And he was busted a few times for that because he was, what he was really doing was lots of abortions, and he wasn't trained. Because there were trains that had to teach the folk in the West to have lots and lots of abortions so that you could, you could really devalue life. Just like Julian Huxley said at UNESCO and his writings as well in his big speech at UNESCO, uh, and, and Planned Parenthood that, that uh, he says we've got to knock man off his throne, off his pedestal as being a supreme being on the planet and dehumanize him, uh, and down to the state of an animal he can do anything with. And that's where we are today and promote mask promiscuity. So it says college hookup culture does not lead students to have more sex than they ever did, but it is more casual, it says. Uh, this is really for academics to, 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 to study because, as I say, they do all the time. They get more out of it than the average reader will get. But it says students who attended college between 2002 and 2010 had virtually the same amount of sex as those who attended between 1988 and 1996. Contemporary students were less likely to have a regular sex partner are more likely to hook up with a friend, a casual date of pick-up. So, so even the terms are being changed now. It's not really uh, someone that they've been going with for a while. Uh, it's really just casual friends. They'll have sex with them just to have sex with them and things like that. That's what they call friends today. 
Uh, and that's important because they're, they're wanting to see how the students' perceptions are changing on how they're doing things and so on. And, of course, with today's students, they're more honest because they're tweeting everything out there to the, to the great world anyway, and they think nothing at all about uh, uh, talking about these things whatsoever. But it's very important to those at the top, because we're getting back to Armand Tammer, he also wanted to promote uh, sexual promiscuity, along with many of his cohorts who flooded into the U.S., and uh, and that wasn't his real name, of course. Uh, he changed his name for his son's sake. He became the Arm and Hammer. The Arm and the Hammer, of course, is a symbol inside the compass of British Freemasonry, which is also for World Revolution. And so Arm and Hammer was the name. And he had up an apartment next to, to Lenin and Stalin. And he also had, uh, it was well into the, those in the White House as well. It tells you it was all arranged from the top at the beginning. It was all, the U.S. was, was already taken over by then, by the way. Already taken over. Then it was just a matter of changing attitudes in societies on many different levels. So anyway, this article goes into, to, to the fact that it's really more casual than ever. Uh, than, than before, you don't really have to know the person for, for any length of time. It can be a daily thing, and just uh, and just they call it hookups, hookups, as they're calling it. I'll put the article up anyway. It doesn't interest me because I know all this stuff because I've read higher studies that have been done for universities that are going on all the time. Because I say it's very important to those at the top for future societies, very much like Brave New World, in fact. And Brave New World, written in the 1930s, 1933, remember, uh, you find that um, Huxley attended world meetings along with the top players of his day. He knew what they were bringing in, by the way, and 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 promiscuities is a part of it, until basically it'd be illegal to, to sleep with the same partner twice in a week or two weeks, which they actually had in his book form. And then he gives you a breakdown of the book with the speech at Berkeley in the 1960s. I might put the link up tonight to his, to the audio for that as well. But it's all here today. It's all been achieved. All parts of agendas, parts of the Communist Manifesto, uh, that was all supported by the biggest bankers in the world living in London at the time. The dialectic. You've got to have the dialectic working to change anything. The dialectic needs an op- op- opposing force. And then you get the synthesis out of it, which is really your goal. <laughs> and this other article, too, has to do with um, SWAT teams. SWAT teams. How it's, well, it's a new normal, isn't it? Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the systems it really is. And part of training the public uh, under terrorism, of course, is a great tool for it to make you all scared and afraid, simply to uh, so that you obey authority without thinking, any kind of authority, because it makes you fearful of them. And this is the this is the Orwellian part that brings us through as we go through eventually into the the Adaldo Huxley part of it from from 1984 to Brave New World. So the two are combined right now as we go through it all. But it says here that SWAT team raids sustainable organic co-op for drugs. They find none, and because, and they always do this, always find something. So they force them to mow their lawn. Uh, this is how bad it is now. 
This is the kind of stuff you, you read about in third world countries at one time, but this is across the West now. Britain's the same. And it's according to, it's just from a small sustainable organic co-op called the Garden of Eden of Arlington, Texas. They were surveilled by unmanned police drones. That's how they wanted to get this. The cost of this is phenomenal. And police helicopters in the days prior to being raided by a SWAT team for supposedly growing marijuana. A group of over a dozen police officers and a heavily armed SWAT team held those present on site at gunpoint and handcuffed them while the research their property was searched. No marijuana was found, but the cops forced them to bring their property up to code, their building property, by, amongst other things, forcing them to mow their grass and uproot their blackberries while they stood watch. This is around 7.30 last Friday morning. The inhabitants of the Garden of Eton, which is a small, intentional community, um, Based on sustainability, were awakened by a SWAT team uh, in a raid conducted by the city of Arlington for suspicion of being full-fledged marijuana growth and trafficking operation. Ultimately, a single arrest was made based on unrelated outstanding traffic violations and tickets. And a handful of citations were given for city code violations and zero drug-related violations were found. It lasted 10 hours, the whole operation involved dozens of city officials, SWAT teams, uh, or police officers and code compliance employees and numerous official vehicles, including dozens of police cars and several specialized vehicular uh, equipment that was involved in the abatement operation. Witnesses say there were helicopters and unmanned flying drones circling the property in the days prior to the raid that are presumed to have been a part of the intelligence gathering. The combined expenses for the raid itself and the collection of information leading up to the fruitless raid are estimated in the tens of thousands of taxpayer dollars. All eight adults present in the house were initially handcuffed at gunpoint of heavily armed SWAT officers, including the mother of a 22-month-old and a two-week-old baby who was separated from her children during the raid. The police enforced activity on the ground of the raid, including uh, they made them mow the grass, the forcible destruction of both wild and cultivated plants like blackberries, because these people grew them and, and they actually had classes on sustainability from, for outsiders to come in. So they made, they made, uh, so, so they destroyed the, the, the cultivated plants like blackberries, lambs quarters and okra, and the removal of other uh, varied materials from around the premises, such as pallets, tires and cardboard that the community members say they had collected for use in sustainability projects. No marijuana or other drugs were found on the site, and the inhabitants of the premises were all unarmed. After several hours and many requests from the community members, the city police officers finally produced two warrants. The first was a search warrant for a suspected marijuana growth and distribution operation purportedly being concealed on the premises. This is also, there was also an inspection and abatement warrant for code compliance violations such as tall grass and storage in the yard, an issue that the city of Arlington and the Garden of Eden have been disputing since February of this year. The marijuana warrant was issued based on unsubstantiated claim, so that, of course it's one of these rumoured suddenly phones and unsubstantiated claim by an Arlington City Police officer of possession of marijuana by one of the community members for which there is no police record. In other words, they made it up. Garden of Eden community members also say they have a series of documents showing the dispute with the city of Arlington over the code compliance violations had already been addressed and settled. As I say, the people make their living on um, teaching workshops and people come in and, te- and learn how to grow things and, and have, have bees, how to work with the bees, uh, chickens, composting stations, vegetable gardens, uh, well-crafted trees and plants and so on. And they're all getting it now. Everybody's getting it, you see.
and thank again to the drone industry. See, all the spin-offs from the war industry are getting news because, you see, you're being trained. Your governments are at war with you. I hope you get the points, as they are with with other other peoples across the world. They're at war with you as well. Now, also, the NAFTA free trade deal is still going on. And uh, it's kept very quiet, of course, but this actually came out in the news. Uh, this little bit here. U.S. expects immunity for its police working in new cross-border policing program with Canada. We've all heard of diplomatic immunity, the international convention that exempts electorates of foreign governments or countries from arrest and prosecution, unless that protection is specifically waived by their government. The privilege has occasionally been abused, but it's a vital element in allowing diplomats to operate in sometimes hostile environments. But how do you feel about foreign policemen being given similar immunity while operating in Canada? That's reportedly what the United States is asking for as part of a cross-border policing agreement with Canada. The Canadian press has obtained an RCMP briefing memo under access to information legislation that details the Mounties' reservations about allowing American officers to work with legal immunity in Canada. Canadians wouldn't likely have serious concerns with cross-designated officers from the U.S. not being accountable for their actions in Canada, says the classified memo prepared for RCMP Commissioner Bob Paulson, a censored version of which was obtained by CP. Conservative government is working on a wide-ranging deal for cross-border law enforcement aimed mainly at reducing trade bottlenecks at the Canada-U.S. border created after 9-11 terror attacks. This isn't true. They want to get right inside Canada. The program initially allows U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers to work with Canadian Border Services agents at truck pre-clearance areas on the border. Now, other ones are actually inside the Canada itself, quite far north. With the first two pilot projects set up at Fort Erie, Ontario and Surrey, B.C. In addition, we'll implement next-generation pilot projects to create integrated teams in areas such as intelligence and criminal investigations and an intelligence-led uniformed presence between ports of entry, says a description of the program Ottawa's Action Plan website. But the October 2012 memo reveals that Canada and the U.S. officials are at odds over whose legal system would apply to the visiting officers. According to the RCMP, these kind of cross-border initiatives have operated on the understanding that the laws of the host country apply to illegal acts committed on its territory, and that its courts would have jurisdiction. However, the U.S. has recently expressed concerns with the continued application of host country law model as requested that its office be exempted from the laws or the jurisdiction of the ordinary courts in Canada in the context of the next generation and pre-clearance initiatives, the memo says. Public Safety Canada spokesman Josie Picard confirmed to CP that whilst U.S. Customs officers working in Canadian cargo pre-clearance areas would be subject to the country's laws, the issue remains unsettled for the policing component, which is supposed to be running by last year. As in the first instance, Americans have insisted its uniformed reps reps abroad be swathed in a legal bubble of red, white and blue. Then it goes into uh, what, what the U.S. has already done in Iraq and other countries, by the way and how they made themselves immune to everything that their forces, including their police forces, which is sent over there too, were involved in. And it would have happened to Canada as well. But this is all part of the integration policy, uh, as I say too. Uh, as I say, they go into uh, one of the most famous cases uh, involved, soldier uh, Raymond Davis, a private contractor working for the CIA, who was arrested in Pakistan in 2011 after killing two armed men who approached his car in the city of Lahore, 
in 2011, a third man was run over. Evidence suggests that Davis had been on an espionage, an espionage mission. The U.S. asserted that Davis was covered by immunity because he travelled to Pakistan on a diplomatic passport. So in other words, they can give these cops diplomatic passports and then they can do, uh, you know, Rambo through Canada and they'll be free from any consequences. Uh, it says, but Canada isn't Afghanistan or Pakistan. The RCP memo says there are several reasons why visiting American officers should be subject to Canadian law. Well, should be is not the way it's going to be. Including the historic jurisdiction of sovereign states on their own territory, the similarity of the U.S. and Canadian justice system related to the use of force by police, and the fact that cross-border agreement was premised on each country's legal system applying to the program. It would not be feasible nor desirable to have two law enforcement officers working together, being subjected to different regimes for accountability and criminal liability, the memo says. Now, there's the open one they gave to the press, but it also says in this article, there's the, the secret one that the public have not to know about. Welcome to democracy and freedom and all that nonsense, folks. From Hamish Monsieur from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>